Okay, <clears throat> um, we're going to hop right into our message. So, we have been talking about being strong in Christ. And in Luke chapter 4, really, Jesus kicked off his ministry. And so far, we've seen Jesus has a teaching ministry. And the teachings of Jesus are incredible, of course. Sermon on the Mount, all the principles, the wisdom. Uh, teaching ministry is powerful, helps us be strong. Jesus' teaching is authoritative and gracious. Amen. We have his healing ministry, which communicates the compassion of God and the healing power of God, that God can heal. He can overcome our diseases, our sicknesses, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Uh, Jesus' powerful healing ministry. And then his prayer ministry, about a month or so ago now, I preached on Jesus' prayer ministry. And maybe the best way to summarize that is early and often. How should we pray? We should pray early and we should pray often. Uh, and that's what we see in Jesus, leaving the crowds, leaving the crying out needs, getting out in the wilderness to spend time with his Father in prayer. Today we're going to talk about kind of uh, the last really kind of section of Jesus' ministry being introduced and inaugurated here in Luke chapter 4 and 5. And this is what, I, what we're calling the Jesus' discipling ministry. Okay, his discipling ministry. I want to give a few definitions and we'll jump on into the text. What do we mean by discipling ministry? Well, the word disciple means learner and or follower. Okay, learner or follower. So Jesus' discipling ministry is Jesus' call for people to completely commit to following and learning from him in the context of of a small community, okay? So he, this is where he's starting to kind of leave the crowds and call to him a few close disciples, okay? Uh, forming this community that is different from the crowd, it's separate from the crowd. Um, really the contrast, like I said, with the crowd is he taught the crowd, there's healing amongst the crowd and there's prayer with and for the crowd, but there's still something missing here that makes Jesus' ministry complete and powerful. And this is this discipling ministry. Why? Why does he kind of detach, start to detach more from the crowd and focus on these 12 disciples? Because in the crowd, we all know it's easy to check out. It's easy to get distracted. Even here this morning, you know, if we got a, if we're one of 130 this morning, it's easy to sit back in the back row and, you know, kind of look at the fan and, you know, right? But if, if there's just this group and we're all together, it's easier to stay focused. And spiritually, it's very easy to get distracted, okay? We lose connection. I had a spiritual struggle this past week. My phone decided to fritz on and in and out, you know, phone, internet, everything. And I'm telling you, it's like, I, didn't, I don't think I sinned, but I was tempted. <laughs> throw this thing in the lake, right? Um, but when we lose connection with one another, we're not going to do well spiritually. We're made to be connected. We're made to sit down face to face and talk and be open and be real. As Carter prayed, thank you, God, for designing us with the need for connection. Um, amen? Uh, when, when it's just a crowd, you can, it's easy to come and go and no one knows. So many people come to our church and they say, you know, I go to this church or that church. No one would ever know or care if 
I showed up or not. And then once we kind of check out, we lose connection, it's easy to become a spiritual consumer. So we're not in community where there's give and take. We just come as part of the crowd, and we just kind of start to sit back, hmm, I don't know if I like that video. Yeah, why are we doing kids stuff? Where's my kids program, right? Oh, the sermon, yeah. you know, that the preacher's sense of humor, not near as funny as he thinks he is, okay, right? Maybe I should go somewhere where I get a little more, you know, are you with me here? The band. So we just start to view things in, the, in a crowd-based spirituality. We start to view things with a consumer mentality. And Jesus knew. He even knew. Man, I, I know why that crowd's gathering. They just want free food. Okay? And so he starts to pull in a group of committed followers. Not just a fan of Jesus, but a follower of Jesus. Learners. People who are serious and committed about loving God. Jesus becomes far less interested gradually in drawing a crowd as he is in training those close community of disciples around him. He even is finding ways to dismiss the crowd, to avoid the crowd, because it's distracting, it's keeping him from doing what he really uh, is here to do. You know, in the church today, uh, in, in American 21st century church is consumed with simply drawing a crowd, um, we actually see Christ's likeness start to go in a, a wrong direction. The presence of a bigger and bigger crowd does not mean the presence of more and more Christ's likeness. Matter of fact, it can start to get watered down and mellowed out and softened to try to please as many as possible in the crown, right? That's why as a church, um, and it sure is a convenient time to believe this, since there's so few of us here today, but uh, our church, we don't, we're not, we don't, we're not, our main goal is not our seating capacity, but our sending capacity, amen? So our main goal is to be like Jesus, to worship God. So we're not as interested as, as our attendance numbers is how close are we to be able to send out disciples into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods. How equipped are we? How spiritual are we? How loving are we? How much are we like Jesus to be able to send out church plantings, send into our neighborhoods, etc., send into our life groups, leaders, right? How is our sending capacity? That was Jesus' main focus starting to be even here in Luke chapter 5. So early on in his ministry, he starts to see that, hey, to multiply, to have long-term impact, it's not about getting a bigger, bigger crowd so they can have more bread, right? It's about who is like, who is becoming like Jesus, like myself. See, Jesus knew what Margaret Mead observed two millennia later when she said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed. It is the only thing that ever has. It is the only thing that ever has. That's why Jesus is like, hey, two or three are gathered in my name. I'm there with them. That group is going to change the world. Actually, that group's going to change the world a lot better than some 8,000 watered-down, feely-mealy entertainment group looking for potluck. Right? It's funny, Josh and Nicole came up after the first service. They came riding up in there. He said, well, we watch the service online, and here, we're here for the fellowship. I'm like, what, are we having hot dogs? Is that why you're here, you know? For... 
Okay, it wasn't. I thought that would be funny. Uh, it wasn't. Okay, so here's our thesis. We find strength in Christ when we answer the call to commit to Jesus' ministry, discipling ministry. So how do we find strength? Through Jesus' teaching, yes. Healing, yes. Prayer, yes. But all that without close connected discipling, we're not going to find the strength uh, that Jesus intends us to find. Amen? So we're going to study Peter and Levi's call to discipleship. We're going to examine this today, and I want to do both of them because I want us to see that it's not just particular. Sure, each call is a little different, but there's universal principles to Jesus' call to follow him. And we're going to see similarities between both Simon Peter and Levi's call. And we're going to ask the question, how do we find strength through Jesus' discipling ministry? How do we find strength through this discipling ministry? Let's, let's read Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. And then we'll skip down to 27 to 32. Okay, Luke chapter 5. Now it happened, verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God. See, if that was the whole goal of Jesus, then, hey, we got a big crowd. Everyone wants to hear the word of God. But that, listen to what Jesus does in that context. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. Interesting, fishermen weren't paying attention to the sermon. <laughs> Anyways, maybe they were. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Interesting, in this context, how much do we hear exactly of what Jesus said during the teaching of the crowd? We don't, now, now, maybe it was a sermon on the mount. You know, we don't exactly. But in this point, the whole point of Luke is he's talking about what goes on with Jesus and Peter. Not all what goes on with in, in the whole crowd. Okay? So when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered him, Master, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing. Can you imagine this interaction? I love this. Just picture yourself. When you read your Bible, you've got to put yourself. Imagine it. Hey, uh, uh, Jake, Jake's the, 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 the professional fisherman. It's his livelihood. He's got hundreds and thousands of dollars invested into his nets, into his partnerships, into his business, right? This is how he provides for his family. And here, let's say that I'm Jesus, okay? I'm sorry, it's hard to do it, but someone's got to be Jesus, okay? So I've come along. What's up, Jake? How's fishing going? Terrible. Yeah, well, I got, a, I got an idea for you. Uh, I know I'm a carpenter, and I know I'm a, 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 a rabbi, a teacher, but how about you put out uh, the nets on the other side of the boat? What does he, what does he do? Yeah, in his heart, he's literally rolling his eyes, right? He just did it. He's like, okay, nice idea. Like, what is being tested here? Point number one is humility. Point number one is humility. Uh, it'd be like, you know, Tim's a professional woodworker. And let's say he's having a hard time with a piece of wood. And he's like, bro, I, can you pray for me? I got a hard time. Tim, how about I hop on out to your shop? I'll show you how to work that equipment a little better. <laughs> Right? He's just like, mm, not really what I asked for, bro. <laughs> okay? Why? 
because they're the experts. See, Peter is being tested right here. His humility is, and so he's respectful. He's like, Master, good start when you're talking to Jesus, right? But you can feel in his heart, he's like, Master, we kind of been doing this all night, okay? And I don't hate to kind of inform you, but which side of the boat you put the nets on, fish do something what they call swim. <laughs> right? You can just feel that in his spirit, right? Wouldn't you have loved to have been there with Jesus and Peter? And you could just imagine Jesus is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's like, but because you say so, we'll do it. Like Jesus had an authority, right? There was something about Jesus where it's like, Yes, sir. Because you say so, we'll do it. Good choice, Peter. Right? Good choice. So where do we leave off? Um, we've heard, verse 6. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. Who's that? We know that's James and John, right? James and John, partners in the other boat. And they came and filled both of the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet. Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. They left everything and followed him. Let's skip down to, verse, to, to Levi, okay? Verse 27. So Jesus continues. There's some healing ministry going on. But then verse 27 says, And after that he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. Levi gave a big reception for him in his house, and there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with him. The Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? Don't you just hear the snarl in their voice? The, what, what's going on with you guys? Like, why do you eat with sinners? Um... And Jesus answered and said to them, Jesus is so, man, he's got an answer. He's like, he's not afraid. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. He's like, I'll tell you exactly why. He's like, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen? Amen. Uh, so good. I love Jesus, man. I just, oh, I can't, oh, that would be so sweet to just, you're, you're sitting there like, oh, yeah, that's right, Jesus. Yeah, you let him have it. Um, okay, point number one is humility. Humility. With Peter, we see everything I said with all this fishing advice, and the, but the turning point in Peter's heart and mind and language and actions was, we've worked hard all night, but because you say so. Literally, I mean, it's upon your word. Upon your word. As a, a disciple, everything's foundationally starts with the word of God. 
Amen? Upon your word will I live my life today. Upon your word will I run my marriage. Upon your word will I raise my kids. Upon your word will we build this church. We didn't come up with the idea of discipling. Jesus did. Upon your word will we love one another. Upon your word will we love our enemies and be kind and bless those who persecute us. Upon your word will we forgive, not just once, not just twice, but seven times, 70 times. Upon your word. See, the word of God tests our humility. Every time we open it, every time we read it, our humility is being tested. Amen? I don't know about you, but I fail that a lot. I, I, the word becomes commonplace. The word becomes, okay, got my quiet time in. Now what do I really want to do? Hmm. How about we go back to the word and, just, and make some decisions based on that, upon your word. Um, and, then, and then verse 8, Peter, we see Peter's humility again. So the fish comes in. He's like, whoa, this is, this is not a normal teacher. This is not a normal carpenter. This is God. And he has, he has faith. This sign, this miracle is like there's something God going on here. Amen? And he sees that he's less than God and less than holy. So often when we see that we're less than God when we're not in control and we're less than holy when we're sinful or guilty or feeling impure or, dirty or dark or whatever, what do we tend to do from God and the people of God? Do we tend to run to him? No, we tend to run away from them, right? We tend to run. We want to hide. Adam and Eve, first thing they did is hid from God, covered themselves, right? Um, what does Peter do? He runs to Jesus, throws himself at his feet, and, his, and is like, away from me, Lord. I am sinful. But notice that it wasn't away from me. I'm sin. It was away from me. I'm sinful. So Jesus, Peter, Jesus had Peter where he needed him where he saw himself as less than God and less than holy. Now I can work with you, Peter. Now I can work with you because you've been humbled and you're humbling yourself. Amen? Jesus chooses a... Uh, what was... Did Peter have all this education? No. Was he all holier than thou? No, he's kind of, kind of a good old rough fisherman dude. A common man, right? But Jesus, I can work with someone who knows they're not God and knows they're not holier than thou. And now I can transform them. Amen? Boy, that feels encouraging to me because I can feel qualified. <laughs> I can be like, well, I know I'm sinful and I know I'm pretty messed up without Jesus. Okay? Um, so do you see the humility right there? The humility, that's where strength in Christ comes from. How about Levi? I'm not going to talk as much about Levi. But first of all, Jesus is... So he's a tax collector. He's a Jew, but he's a tax collector. The Jews didn't like the tax collectors at all because they viewed him as traitors working for the Roman government. And, 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 and Levi here, uh, uh, so Gaza's friend, but then listen to Jesus' front. Uh, I don't come to the, the righteousness. It's not the healthy, but the sick who need me. If Levi was proud, how would you respond to being called sick, spiritually sick? Levi would be like, excuse me? You're talking about me? Sick? I just left everything to follow you. I'm not sick, right? Um, but no, he's like, that's right, I'm sick. There's, there's three characteristics of the sick that, that show their humility. First of all is that they're comfortable with calling themselves sick, 
Secondly, they need help. Thirdly, they know they can't help themselves. You don't go to the doctor when you're well. I guess, I guess it can as a, a well visit, but I never do. Okay, let's see. Okay, you, you go to the doctor when you're sick, you need help, and you can't help yourself. Are we comfortable with being that way spiritually? I'm sick, I need help, and I can't help myself. Um, humbling yourselves will help you find strength in the discipling ministry. Humble yourself before God, God's Word, and God's people, running to them instead of away from them. Or do we just see everyone else's sickness? Oh yeah, that person over there, they sure need some Jesus. Oh, wait a second. Let's just deal with ourselves first. Amen? Uh, uh, trying to heal ourselves or really submitting to the great physician of our soul. Point number one is humility. Point number two is next step boldness. What do you see with both Simon and Levi? It says they, when Jesus called to follow him, it says they left everything and followed him. Now that was a lot that they left. Okay, they both left their careers. They both left, we don't know if Levi has a family or not. We know Peter has a family. We left his wife. Uh, to follow Jesus, left his, left his uh, livelihood. Now, does that mean we all need to leave our careers in order to follow Jesus? I don't think that's a, what that means. We see a lot of disciples who didn't leave their careers. Amen? But it, does may, it probably does mean we need to leave our previous priorities and reprioritize our life. Amen? We need to leave our previous comforts. We need to leave our previous degrees of control so we can follow Jesus. Jesus never revealed all the steps they would need to take in following him all at once, but he did reveal the next step. Amen? Uh, I've been doing this now for about 28 years, okay? If I would have known uh, back then when I was first called to follow Jesus, not just be a fan of Jesus, if I would have known what that actually meant, I don't know if I could have handled that as far as just where my faith was at that time. But I knew at that time it just meant take the next step. It's time for me to repent a bunch of my junk sin. You with me there? I can do that. It's time for me to start reading my Bible more. I can do that. I can take that step, right? It's time for me to watch, stop watching Seinfeld and Home Improvement in a bunch, uh, on, on Wednesday nights and start going to church. Amen, I can do that. See, these were the things that were so big, you know, at that time. Uh, maybe a little less Vikings, little, maybe a little more spirit. Not the Packers, the spirit, okay? Um, are you with me there? But think, Jesus, Peter just took the next step. But think of the, he also, what's, it's not just a one-time call. Later on, Jesus was called to follow me and carry your cross. No, I don't like that attitude. He got rebuked and said, okay, I'm going to take my cross. Next step. After Peter abandoned Jesus, and Jesus reinstated him, feed my sheep. Next step. Well, what about John? What about John? What goes on with John is between me and John. You, Peter, you follow me. John chapter 21. So the first call to the last call, Jesus' call to Peter, just follow me, dude. Follow me. I'll be with you always. Okay? Little did we know, Acts chapter 10, another big step of accepting the Gentiles into the Christian community. Peter's like, no way, they're not here. You know, we don't, you know, that'd be impure. You know, nope. 
next step, Peter. Are you with me? Every step of the way, all the way to when he was uh, crucified upside down. Just one more step, Peter. How about you? Have you, have, you lost, have you delegated the call to discipleship as, yeah, back then when I first committed? Or is it every day I'm going to follow Jesus today? I don't need to worry about tomorrow. I just need to figure out what is Jesus calling me to do today. Amen? Um, I know that... Uh, Okay, and lastly, I'll skip that for time's sake. Lastly, we see influence, we see humility, we see bold next step, and then we see influence. Right from the beginning, Jesus makes sure these guys don't realize that it's not just about them. Modern day Christianity, it can just be a lot about us. How do I be happier? How do I have less anxiety? How do I have more fulfillment? Me, me, me. Listen, Jesus right away with disciples like, it's not about you, you, you. It's about God's glory and it's about changing the world. Amen? Because right away, they have this big, big catch of fish. He's like, I, you're going to be a fisher of men. And Peter takes that step. And then what happens? Andrew takes that step, Peter's brother. And then James and John take that step. Peter's already being influential. He just decided to follow Jesus. How about Levi? What do we see? Follow Jesus, leave everything. Immediate calling all his friends together. We, 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 we. Sound like Gianna there. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Anytime I tell Gianna to do something, no, 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 no. And I say, yes, 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 yes. Okay, anyways, um, there's two things about observations about influence. Influence spiritually comes when you allow yourself to be influenced. If, you're trying, if you want to have, who wants to have an impact? Who thinks the world needs a little more Jesus in it? So that means we want some impact, right? But are you willing to be impacted? Are you willing to be taught and trained and corrected and rebuked? Are you willing to be influenced? That's the only pathway to being influential which we want to be. It's not about our ego. We want more Jesus influence. Well, then you better let yourself be influenced. Amen? Secondly is never wait till you've arrived before you can start really caring and serving others. This is why, I heard, well, once I get to this point, then I'll be able to, uh, what point really did Peter have to get to? Or Levi, what, how, how much spiritual maturity was going on before Levi invited his friends over? You know, let me take eight years of Bible study, and then I'll be able to have the courage, and I'll know what to say to my friends, because I sh better sure have it all perfectly down. Stop enough already, right? You just let yourself be influenced, and you share that, and you will be in influence. I just want to talk about Craig and Rebecca Bradle for just a minute. Okay, um, I've seen Craig and Rebecca go from non-Christians, let's call it, okay, uh, to allowing themselves to be upon your word. Upon your word, they repented and were baptized in Christ. Amen? Upon your word. But there was more than that. They allowed themselves as professional all together on the outside type of people, they allowed themselves to be influenced and trained and discipled and taught and took sacrificial steps. Um, they today are influencing so many people 
Craig was just offhand, yeah, you know, helping this person out. I met with that guy. Was, no one's asking him to be involved in these people's lives, but he cares. And so he engages. Amen? At this conversation. Right now, Craig and Rebecca are studying with about, what, eight, six people? I don't know. How you, you know, you don't need to, they're not going to tell me. It's just like their neighbors, their friends are studying the Bible and they're being open and they're responding. Amen? That is someone who became a disciple who's now going and making disciples. That's strength in discipling ministry. That's Jesus's discipling ministry right there. Isn't that awesome? Um, so let's be ready for, or let's prepare for communion here. How is Jesus calling you out of the crowd in, into his discipling ministry today? Would you rather just stay in the crowd where there's a namelessness, a lack of community connection? It's a little more comfortable to stay in the crowd, but the crowd has its consequences that are devastating. How is Jesus calling you out of the crowd? Yeah, if you need your communion thing, go ahead and grab it uh, over here. Um, is he calling you, is your humility being challenged? Is your humility being called out by Peter in Levi? Um, is there next step boldness you need to take? Maybe it's repenting of a sin that you know that you need to get out of your life. Maybe it's being open. Maybe there's something in the darkness. It's you, it is screaming out. And you're thinking right now, I hope he doesn't look at me for very long. Right? We have a smaller crowd. <laughs> maybe there's something in the darkness that you know. Hey, maybe it's a bold next step. You need to get open. All right? Let yourself be free of that. There's so much grace and forgiveness. Let, let, it, let yourself let it go. Why are you carrying that burden? Maybe it's repenting and being baptized that you see this is what I need to do. This is clear from the scriptures, but I know it's, it's, what's that person going to think? I mean, I've, I so get those wrestles, but maybe it's making a decision during our time of communion. I'm going to follow Jesus. Whether many or few follow or like it, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm being called today. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe you've been a disciple a long time and you've forgotten upon your word. And it's been a long time since you've had Bible studies that really have moved your heart. Maybe you've even stopped reading the Bible altogether. Hey, you're being called today to go back to upon your word. Amen? Maybe it says we, as we deal with COVID-19 and how much control that we're freaking out about not having. Can I get a witness? <laughs> right? Uh, school this and all that and, and, and you know, church this and hey, maybe it's you know what? Letting it go, I'm just going to take the next step. I'm just going to take the next step. Amen? Uh, I don't know what it is for you, but humility, next step, boldness, and influence. Let's find strength in Him today through answering this call. And then when we answer it together, we won't just be the crowd that Jesus dismisses. We will be the small group of committed disciples that changes the world to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to be in your word. Thank you for Simon Peter and his humility. Thank you for that we can see him being honest and yet humble. Father, thank you that you use people that see themselves as less than holy, that you use them to influence. Father, thank you for Levi and his response 
of the bold next step, but also the, the, the love and concern for his neighbors and friends and co-workers that he wanted to bring them to Jesus too. Father, I pray during this time of quiet that we can hear your voice, that we can hear your call. How are you calling us to follow you today? That in honor and remembrance of Jesus following your will to go all the way to the cross for our sake, we will pick up our cross, whatever that may be, and follow him for your sake. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.